Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility presents the Vermont Conversation with David Goodman, exploring ideas with innovators, changemakers, business leaders, politicians, and activists. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp, using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont's schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. And nearly 700 VBSR business members who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Learn more at www.vbsr.org. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Is there still a pay gap between men and women? What does it cost a young mom to take a few years off to raise kids? Do families save differently for boys than for girls? These questions and more are the focus of a new report from Change the Story, Vermont. The report is called Women, Work, and Wages in Vermont. It is the fifth in a series of reports that Change the Story has done. We're going to spend the hour this week talking with two of the people behind this report uh, that was just released this morning at an event at the old Labor Hall in Barrie. Tiff Bloomley leads Change the Story Vermont, an an initiative to align policy, program, and philanthropy to fast-track women's economic status in Vermont. And Carrie Brown is the executive director of the Vermont Commission on Women, an independent, nonpartisan state government commission. Uh, Tiff and Carrie, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, before we dive into the report, I have to dive into something that has uh, put this organization and your work in the national news. Um, Who would have thought that the uh, humble Change the Story of Vermont would be part of stories that have now run in Time Magazine, Sports Illustrated, CNN, Glamour, trying to think where else I've seen it. And this, of course, is the story of the Burlington women's soccer team and a jersey that they're wearing that um, we're not on TV, but if uh, we were, you would see that Tiff Bloomley is wearing an hashtag equal pay shirt. So, Tiff, can you explain how this came to be that the Burlington girls' high school soccer team uh, introduced these jersey and got all this attention? Sure. Um, You know, uh, the um, team members... um uh, approached us uh, having gone to a couple of them had gone to the World Cup 
And they were so inspired by the women's team. And they were so inspired by the audience's reaction to the women's team and the chance equal pay um, that they heard in the stands that they came back and they they approached us um, because the daughter of one of the staff members from Change the Story happens to be on that soccer team. And so she said, well, I know somebody you could talk to. And they they said, would you print up shirts that, you know, with the equal pay, hashtag equal pay. And, you know, I said, well, we don't really have a budget for that, but let's figure it out. And so uh, Burlington Pride, the, you know, the um, kind of parent supporting arm of the, for for the teams at Burlington High School um, helped get behind it. And we helped put together uh, um, the, the, you know, the pay side of things and we supported the girls and it it would have been a local story had a referee not uh, yellow carded for the team members when they had scored they were so excited that they ripped off the jerseys the school team jerseys and and underneath with their equal pay and that is excessive celebration and 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 it carries a penalty and of course the stands erupted in equal pay equal pay and that made this story much more interesting to a broader uh, audience and so that's when good morning america and um you know anderson cooper and npr you know and so these poor young women are trying to do their schoolwork and apply to college and they're you know we're helping field interviews for them in their assistant principal's office with these various news organizations and you know what is so exciting to me is how quickly they became um, familiar with all these issues and how they have taken it on. Um, it's not just about the soccer, you know, field. It's really they are they, and they've raised an incredible amount of money through the sales of money? these shirts. Well, uh, <clears throat> I, 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 mean, I think we've sold close to 5000 shirts. And um, I think that there's something like uh, $100,000 that um, they have uh, created a, a donor-advised fund at the Vermont Community Foundation uh, and plan to commit money um, as, you know, the advisors to uh, uh, really diversify um, uh, soccer in um, Burlington. Um, and um, and also they want to support organizations that are all behind equal pay. So, I mean, it's, so the, now they're the philanthropists. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty amazing story. It is an amazing story. And, and I have to point to the minor starring role of the referee yeah. in that story, because had he not penalized <laughs> them, this would have just remained a local yeah. uh, sort of human interest story. Of course, he bought a shirt. He did. So, yes, I, you know, I read that. and he's totally, he's totally behind it. But the rules are the rules. The rules are um, the rules. Field, yes. So. Um, so, anyway, that is that uh, really is has a, a remarkable twist for in, in the life of Change the Story. Explain what Change the Story is. Sure. Do you want to do that, Carrie? Oh, sure. So um, this is Carrie Brown, the executive director of the Vermont Commission on Women. Uh, thanks. The, so Change the Story is a partnership 
we decided a few years ago that uh, there were a few organizations in Vermont who'd been working for many years to try to improve economic conditions for women in the state and that we might be better off if we got together and pooled our efforts. So Vermont Works for Women is an organization that works directly with women, does education and job training. And Vermont Women's Fund is a the only philanthropic organization in Vermont that's specifically focused on women and girls. And the Vermont Commission on Women, we're a state agency. We've been around since 1964. We've been working and trying to improve conditions of all kinds for women in all of that time. And so we, we got together to coordinate and align our efforts and to hopefully move things much more quickly to really speed up this process of moving women towards economic security in Vermont, taking policy, philanthropy, and program and putting them all together. And uh, this, this, this work of this report is a result of some of the really extensive research that we've done throughout the existence of Change the Story to try to first tell the story. Um, as as we're trying to change it so that we know where we are, where we stand with women's economic well-being or lack thereof, and um, put, to put some of this data in the hands of people who can use it to inform their decisions in what they're doing to actually try to improve things for women. So let's talk about some of the uh, findings in the report that was released today, Women, Work, and Wages in Vermont. One of the ones that uh, jumps out at me that I think really captures the the nut of the issue is that uh, about four out of ten women who work full-time do not earn enough to meet basic living expenses uh, for a single individual. And women are a disproportionate share of Vermonters who are in poverty, who make less than $11 an hour. Um, <clears throat> let me, Tiff, let me ask you, uh, to talk about some of the highlights, some of the key findings of the report that, that you think um, really need to be more widely known. Well, we, um, we not only paint a picture of what is, but we also try to explain why. Um, the gender wage gap is often um, dismissed as either non-existent um, or as a product of of choices that women have made. And there is a part of that that is true. And um, the choices that women make are very much um, influenced by the the context, um, you know, the families that they grow up in, the communities that they're, um, they live in, the, the, um, their partner. Um, well, the... by the choices women make, you mean people will say, well, you chose to have kids. Well, you chose to take that Exactly. Job. Exactly. And what we're trying to do is um, paint a more nuanced picture of, you know, it's not just about the jobs that women have. It's also about the fact that women are the primary caregivers in most families. And that means often cutting back on hours or foregoing promotions or getting out of the labor force altogether. And the scarcity of childcare in the state and the cost of it make it really difficult for families to afford to have, you know, if there are two parents, both parents at work. Um, and most families can't afford not to have both families at work. And <clears throat> so, but, you know, so it's time in and out of the workforce. It's also 
gender norms and expectations and biases that that shape messages that we get as young children um, and um, throughout our adulthood um, and then inform the, the the decisions that employers make about, you know, who's going to stay, um, whether somebody um, has enough experience, whether um, uh, I mean, there are there are all kinds of biases that we bring to decision making about recruitment and hiring and promotion um, that we're not aware of. And all of us have them. And uh, we have them about all kinds of things. And so it's really important that we recognize the ways in which those biases, uh, you know, play out in the in the workplace, particularly for women. And I, I would I'll just add that, um, you know, a woman, you know, women are particularly um, uh, one, the ones who experience sexual harassment and intimate partner violence. Those two experiences um, can have an enormous impact on a woman's ability to stay in her job um, uh, and to to focus. Um, there are all kinds of ways in which uh, um, her future can be sabotaged by a partner or by somebody in the office that is trying to harass her and not getting um, uh, a response. And so at any rate, those and, and, you know, oftentimes those circumstances aren't they're not part of the conversation about women's economic status. We're going to, um, you're listening to the Vermont Conversation. We're talking about a new report released by uh, Change the Story of Vermont about women, work, and wages. Our guests are Tiff Bloomley, who leads Change the Story, and Carrie Brown, the director of the Vermont Commission on Women. If you want to join this conversation, if you have your own stories about gender disparities at work or issues that women or uh, mothers face in the workplace, you can call us at 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. A little later in the show, I want to return to that issue of the impact of uh, sexual harassment and domestic violence on women's working lives. Uh, we have an interview with uh, a domestic violence survivor who's going to talk a little bit about her story, and I want to get your response to it. But I want to return to some of the key findings. Uh, Tiff referred to the gender wage gap, which um, you have quantified uh, here in Vermont, 16 cents for every dollar earned by men. Uh, so women were in 84 cents for every dollar that a man earns. Carrie, um, there's a lot of laws on the books that prevent, (laughs) you know, prohibiting discrimination. Why do we still have a gender wage gap? Yeah, that is a great question. We do have a lot of laws. Um, At the federal level, we've had laws for decades, and yet we still see it happening. So part of the problem with the laws is that they, they can only address a very limited number of situations where there's really clear, blatant discrimination that's going on. Um, the other part of the problem is that if you're the person who's being discriminated against, 
bringing a lawsuit is really the most extreme version of what you can do in response to that. It involves a lot of money. It involves a lot of time. It involves subjecting yourself to abuse and harassment. It involves potentially destroying relationships along the way and damaging your career. And so there are very few women who are willing to do that. There's been one woman who has exercised her rights under the Vermont Equal Pay Law in court. One. Yeah, one. Um, and uh, she prevailed, so... <laughs> <laughs> that was good news. What what did prevailing yeah. even get her? Well, it got her. I don't, I don't remember the details, but it got her financial compensation. Um, that was significant and meaningful. And I don't know um, if it was worth it in the end. For I know it was very difficult for her, but um, we all benefited very greatly, all the rest of us in Vermont, for her doing that. Um, there have been some, uh, the, the Human Rights Commission has brought some uh, cases against the state using that law as well. Um, but that was the one who did it, you know, in, in private court. Um, so uh, there are um, also, because the, the wage gap is such a complex issue, and TIF got into a lot of the reasons why we have that, just passing a law against discrimination is uh, only gets at a little bit of the, the problem anyway. So we do have some other laws that have been trying to help. So for instance, Vermonters have a right to request flexible working arrangements now. And so they, if you need to leave at three o'clock every day to pick your child up from childcare, you can ask your boss, can I come in early and leave early every day, change my schedule. Um, we also have a law that prohibits employers from asking about salary history in the job application process. Why Be is that important? So, yeah, it's, so it sounds like what would that have to do with anything? But um, there have been employers who have, who will use a, an employee's past salary to set their current salary. So, for instance, um, Boeing, this giant corporation, was doing this on a really large scale where they had a policy that when they brought in somebody new, they would give them a certain percentage above, they would start them at a certain percentage above the, the job they had just left, which from their point of view was a great incentive to bring people in and, and, have, and have them get a raise. But what it ended up doing was systemically keeping the women who were already being paid, who were already being paid underpaid where they started at a lower rate. So they maybe came in and they got 5% more than they were making, but what they were making was already way too low proportionately to what the men were making. And so it perpetuated this systemic inequity. And they actually were sued over it and um, had to settle a, you know, like a $70 million lawsuit. Uh, so, so we have that law now to try to address that a little bit. And um, we also have laws protecting people who are pregnant or breastfeeding at work. So you can't be discriminated against. But also, if you need reasonable accommodations because you're pregnant, you can get them in Vermont. And that's also a recent law that just so passed. So do these laws apply to all businesses or only businesses of a certain size? Um, so all the laws that I just mentioned apply to all employers in Vermont. Yes. There are some federal equivalents that apply only to larger employers, but um, the ones that we're talking about here apply to everybody. Hmm. If you have one employee, it applies to you. Yeah. I'll tell you why I asked. <laughs> uh, when my wife was pregnant with our first child, she informed her employer that she would need to take time off, and they told her that she didn't need to come back. And... Um, when I inquired, and I thought, well, surely there's a law against this. And there's when I inquired with, at the attorney general's <laughs> office, 
because that's I, I had a feeling this was a big problem. They told me very apologetically that we have laws that protect uh, pregnant women, but only for companies. It was large. As I recall, it was something like companies of 50 employees mm-hmm. or more. And so they said, I'm sorry, but you are right. on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in Vermont, that makes especially little sense because we have so many small employers. Right. That 50 employers in, in some parts of the world might be a small business, but it's sure not in Vermont. Yes. So it now applies. So in no business in Vermont can somebody be fired for being pregnant. Right. Um, Let's go back to what accounts for the wage gap. And the wage gap, uh, I mentioned 16 cents for every dollar, but it's a lot higher in other categories, women of color. Um, uh, Maybe explain a little more about this wage gap and what accounts for it. Well, I can start. <clears throat> there are kind of three buckets um, of uh, causes uh, um, that are are probably worth mentioning here. One is where women work, and forty three percent of women who work full time in the state work in the same professions that women worked, you know, in nineteen seventy. And the gender composition of those jobs, like bookkeepers and office administrators, nurses, um, teachers, um, the percentage of women in those fields really has not budged. So occupational segregation, the division of men and women into different jobs and different fields continues to prevail. And uh, that is a problem on a number of fronts because workforce diversity is a really, I mean, it it, it has been proven by science over and again to contribute to better decision-making. It also is important in a state like Vermont, which is so gray, we need every drop of talent that's out there um, in fields that are facing significant labor shortages. Um, it happens to be that the, the fields in which women are have, have been traditionally employed often pay less than fields where men have traditionally been employed, hmm. except if they're unionized. <laughs> it, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, and again, we're talking with Tiff Bloomley from Change the Story of Vermont and Carrie Brown from the Vermont Commission on Women. Uh, at the launch of your new report today, uh, one of these statistics you cited that really uh, struck me uh, was that girls make uh, get a lower allowance typically than boys in the same family. Um, <laughs> well, it was a this was a, an app. Yeah. Oh, Carrie, oh. you want to? Uh, <laughs> oh, just I I um I was going to say Tiff and I have all boys between us, yeah. and so um, <laughs> everyone in my family was underpaid for their allowance. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so that's a point that people have been really struck by in just as we've been starting to talk about this report, because I think it hits really close to home. Um, I don't think anybody expects that those parents are sitting down and making a conscious decision that I'm going to give my daughter less money and my son more money. Some of them might be, but it's very unlikely. It's just one of those things that kind of bubbles out because of the ingrained expectations that we have and the the um, ingrained notions we have about 
value of work. And I think this this statistic, it was linked to household chores. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so perhaps there are people who feel that if a girl is doing housework and sweeping the kitchen floor, that that is, you know, part of what she's expected to do. So she doesn't need to be rewarded as well for it. Whereas with a boy. Mowing the lawn or. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, and I'm just making this up right now, but um, I think that it, it's the kind of statistic that gets people to stop and think, is there something that I'm doing in the way I'm running my family and treating my children that might be the result of these ingrained stereotypical notions? That I'm not even aware of. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it goes, it continues. In your report, uh, you note that uh, on average, parents save more for boys' college education than for girls' college education. Uh, Tiff, you have any insight into that? Wait, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of insight. It's, it, but it, it was a national study, and, um, and uh, so they, they looked at um, the saving patterns of parents of only boys and parents of only girls, because that was kind of the only way that they could, they could do it, and they found some significant differences in what parents of only boys were saving for their college uh, versus girls. And what do they attribute that to? Because that is a choice parents are making and how they mm-hmm. value their kids. And Well, I mean, differing expectations of what their kids are going to be interested in doing and um, perhaps um, uh, a, a sense that, well, there are these other options for their girls, um, you know, that uh, but they like may feel like well you know uh, uh, that's that's one possibility but also the sense that um, uh, you know girls without a college degree you can get certain kinds of jobs and but for a boy they would they, they would need to get a college education I you know it's it's um <clears throat> I, I wonder also if there's an expectation that boys are at some point going to have to support a family and people don't think in terms of girls having to support a family, even though, of course, the reality is men and women are both needing to support families now. But we still kind of have this leftover idea that at the end of the day, it's really going to be the man's responsibility to provide for the family. And so that might have something to do with it. Hmm. OK, well, we are going to take a short break for the news Uh, get an update on what's happening in the impeachment day in Congress. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a number of things, including the impact of domestic violence and sexual harassment on women's work lives. I'm David Goodman. You're listening to the Vermont Conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.